0: you're listening to Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur, and I'm here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe and healthy. Hope you're getting vaccinated soon, or you already have. I got mine last week and it's a very big mixed bag of emotions having that milestone um, and feeling marginally safer in this madness because I don't know what day of the panorama that we are in, but it has been one hell of a year. We're still in it. We're hopefully seeing light at the end of the tunnel and moving towards it, but I understand as much as anybody else how uh, tiring it's been, how mentally, physically, emotionally exhausting we've all like just been feeling through all of this madness, all the life events, all the tragedies, all of the minor daily annoyances to like from big and small. It's been a lot. So giving y'all a big, big hug at the very top of the episode because uh, I just, I feel you guys and we've all been going through it and hopefully we can make the right moves and stay safe. If you have been listening to First of All, you know that I'm a very consistent advocate to wear your mask, social distance, and to be safe. I am having lots of feelings watching a variety of people in my universe go out and act like nothing is happening or has been happening. And um, I'm reaching, like, I've not wanted to really vocalize it, but, like, it has been bothering me. It has been a lot to, to process and to, like, let roll off my back when I genuinely feel frustrated and angered and triggered that there are people that will not take this or science seriously or other people's safety seriously and somehow feel entitled and whatever, like, just... Ridiculous across the board. Um, not to start this off super negatively, I'm just keeping it real. You know what I mean? This is what I, I have to do. First of all, like, who do you think you are? I'm just okay. I'm not even gonna go there. But that is, that is kind of like a little um, a little tidbit of like what I've been feeling along the way. You know what I mean? For the last what thirteen months now, so. If you have access to a vaccine, which everyone's supposed to have very soon, please do it. For the love, love of God, please do it. And stay safe around each other still because it doesn't mean that we won't get it in their variants and all that stuff. And please stay educated on top of that um, because I don't want people to suffer unnecessarily. And if we become, you know, catalysts for other folks to get sick and we, you know, expose our vulnerable loved ones to it like it's all it's all ripple effect you know what i'm saying like our sanity hangs in the balance so let's do each other and ourselves a solid and just stay safe for the love of God. We're at the like home stretch, I feel like. And the home stretch, if anybody works out, if you're like your last rep or your last superset or whatever, if you're into this kind of thing, the last mile and the last like little bit feels the freaking hardest. And it's like, that's the time. It's like how I mentally condition myself, you guys. So that's the time to not take your eye off the ball. You know, you cannot, that's not the point to get lazy. And that takes a lot of mental fortitude and like just determination and sheer willpower, this is like when you're on the hero's journey and they're like right at the crisis point, you just wonder like, are they going to make it? Are they going to crack? Is this going to be where it all goes to hell and everything falls apart? And that's the tension of like when you're watching a good movie or film or TV show, you have to reach that crisis point. I feel like we're just, you know, this is not the time to get lazy. And I, I know the feeling cause I'm tempted as, as anybody else, but don't just don't do it. Okay. I believe in you. I love you. And I believe in you. Anyway, if you haven't noticed, this is another solo episode. So if you guys didn't get enough of me, like processing all my feelings and venting a lot, um, creating a space, which was the intention of that episode in the last one, you know, here I am again. Um, we will have guests very soon. People have just been taking their space and I wanted to be respectful. Um, and people had their schedules change and all that stuff, but I wanted to continue to process and share some things with you guys, but also continue to make space and amplify the things that are going on um, regarding the anti Asian violence, the anti racist movement that's been going on for a very long time, but. In especially intensely in the last year, and we're now like you know having the the trial of Derek Chauvin for George, George Floyd's murder. Like, there's a lot of things happening at this particular moment in time that this is me like not taking the foot off my gas pedal so that we can continue to expand and grow and learn and hopefully be better because that's what needs to happen right now, in my personal opinion. Um. So last episode, as I mentioned, was a lot of me like processing. What happened with the anti Asian violence? What's been going on in the aftermath of the Georgia, the Atlanta, Georgia shooting of the six Asian women that were murdered? Um, and there's been a continuation of that, and there's been a lot of processing of a lot of feelings. There have been protests and rallies. There's been a lot of um, calls to action, social media amplification, different allies coming to the forefront. Um, a lot of potential allies speaking out against it. And it's been a very, very fascinating time. People have taken their space to kind of grieve through a lot. And it has been very, very real. It has been extremely exhausting and in a lot of ways necessary, I think, to bring us to this next part of the journey, which is figuring out how to implement action and how to keep this fight alive to to a sustainable degree, because this fight is not over. And realistically speaking this is not me advocating for this but this is just being very realistic that it's not going to end anytime particularly soon that there there's a lot that's being revealed like a veil that's being lifted about the true nature about a lot of different people's feelings um, in both good and bad ways there's a lot of people speaking out that maybe were unexpected allies and people who are now speaking up for themselves, which is incredibly beautiful and empowering to see. And there's also a revealing of other people's attitudes that they've kept quiet and that again, over the last, especially the last four years in the United States, we've seen become a lot more and more open in the public sphere in different public arenas and private arenas, it's be- it's become really painful and ugly to bear witness to, but that's also been happening. So in light of that, um, I think it'd be naive and kind of foolhardy to think that this is something that can be glossed over, that we can just let sort itself out. Do you know what I'm saying? And um, like a lot of difficult things in life, things don't just resolve themselves we have to be actively participating in resolving them so in this episode i wanted to share some reflections some learnings uh, some resources because there has been a lot of movement i've been doing my best to take space to like heal a bit and deal with my own life and like make sure that i i have enough fuel to keep going which is its own like skill and art form if you will but um Yeah, I mean, the the title of this episode is Enough is Enough. And it's been enough, you know, for a very long time. But I think we've reached yet another tipping point in in dealing with racism, in dealing with some very real things that need as many people at the forefront to fight because we can no longer stay on the sidelines, be silent, be bystanders. And um, if anybody's been keeping up with all the different social media content that's being shared, and a lot of it has been really painful and triggering to watch people being brutalized, there have been a lot of bystanders Who do stand by and do nothing. And that has been an extra salt on the wound, another, like, just another wound in and of itself, another attack, I think, another assault on all of our very fragile feelings of like hopefulness and hopelessness. And so, all things considered, you know we cannot just sit by and and let a few do the work for all, and we cannot um, sit on our high horses. We cannot afford to think that we're just so privileged to like not do anything. This is not this is not where it's at. This is not what it's about. Um, I've been a longtime advocate that there are leaders in every single one of us. Each one of us is the main character in every single one of our own lives. We are the main character. We're the protagonist, and we're the leader of. And the captain of our own ship, if you will. So if you're letting other people and like going into kind of a victim mindset, the whole world and all the circumstances are happening to you, I personally don't subscribe to that. And I've been taught through and through in my own life circumstances and watching other people that I really admire and respect, how they so gracefully and strategically and um resiliently deal with their own obstacles and their, their challenges. like I'm constantly inspired by others too, because they take their lives and their actions, their choices,, um, their power as a, as a person as a person, their agency, very seriously. And it's just I, I always need that reminder. so hopefully this can be a reminder to you that you are the protagonist, you are the captain of your ship, you are not a victim. There are heinous, horrible things happening around us. Yes, I'm not denying that, but we can figure out a way to respond in a way to alleviate the pain, to eliminate the pain for others, for ourselves, to keep our families safe. Okay? And that's what's required right now of all of us. Now, there are things that need to change and there are people that are working to change that. I want to give some specific examples. Um, of how to do that because I've continuously been learning throughout my career, um, throughout my work, advocating for Asian American presence in media, in Hollywood. And Just kind of unpacking all the complexity and how to actually shift that. Because what we're talking about right now is shifting norms, right? We have normalized Asian Americans being the butt of a lot of jokes, being scapegoated about being treated as these subservient, submissive, you know, castrated or overly sexualized and fetishized objects. You know, we have not been human in a lot of people's eyes. We have been easily just like, demonized or dehumanized or laughable and humiliated and bullied in a lot of ways. That pain is very freaking real. Any person that's like grown up Asian America in this country and a lot of Asians, the Asian diaspora around the world where they are growing up outside of Asia have felt a lot of that pain. It is very, very real. It is visceral. There are a lot of people who have coped with it by suppressing it, by keeping quiet, keeping our heads down, powering through it. But that pain has not not gone anywhere. It has remained a lot inside of us. So that it has festered and it has bottled up and created pressure, and when that cork pops, oh my dear! Like for some people who don't process that pain, who don't channel that rage, who have not been able to forgive, it's still there, and that's a dangerous thing. I know that, y'all. I'm Korean, okay? Like, go listen to the healing trauma episode with Lillian. So, like, it's not a stereotype for nothing. Like that that pain and that anger is very real, and I've spent a lot of time, like unpacking and figuring out and identifying and just excavating through my own psyche, my own life experience where all these these anger points these these this accumulated rage that's like happened over a number of years compounded by the fact that not just being Asian American um, but being a woman, being an opinionated woman, being a woman who has taken on leadership roles and been in a lot of spaces with men or white men, or being an actor, you know, being in the Hollywood space or being a community organizer, whatever, like all the different facets and the ways that you could look at me. I've been really spending a lot of time in the last, I'd say three to five years unpacking that for real, for real and figuring out how to heal and, and like deal with that because At a lot of different times, it has shown up in very ugly ways in my own life um, where it's harming me, it's harming my life, it's harming my health, it's harming my relationships. That anger is very, very real and it doesn't just go away on its own. So I wanted to shed light on that and give space for that to be acknowledged and to exist. If you feel that, you guys, if you feel that rage, if you've been just trying to stuff it down and rationalize it laugh at it translate it to like self-hatred like judging other Asians for being xyz for being too fobby or being like you're making us look bad or yelling at your parent for still have, having an accent getting freaking angry at every person around you that they're ignorant that they don't like understand what racism is that they allow it that all of it man like i i understand I still want to create space for that because I still don't think in the process of all of this acknowledgement and awareness and awakening that a lot of people are going through in terms of the pain that they've been stomaching for a long, long time without giving any space to like exist and breathe, I think it's still really important. I think it's important for that to be called out and to be seen because that shit is real. Okay? Um... I wanted to share real life stories because I don't only want to be speaking from like a soapbox or from kind of like just, you know, speaking all in theory. One example that I have from my own life of significant pain that I, to this day, I'm still working on forgiving. This came into my awareness because of all this stuff that's happening. I was in Santa Monica, I don't, sorry, sidebar, I don't know if I've shared this in another episode, but we're just going to roll with it. Um, in Santa Monica, I had just moved to LA. My baby cousin was moving in with me and she was vis- she moved from Alabama. My cousin was like, yes, there are Korean people in Birmingham, Alabama. And she was moving to LA to live with me. And I took her to Santa Monica Pier as like a fun Sunday thing. And we just wanted to enjoy the sunshine. I wanted to give her a taste of like, welcome to LA. This is going to be great. You know, we're going to have a great time living together. And she wanted to pursue acting at that time. I just really wanted it to be a fun day of exploring and celebrating SoCal. And it was in June and we went to the pier, I don't know, ate some stuff, walked to the water, saw the pier, all that stuff. And at the pier, we saw um, street performers, and i love performers in general i mean for god's sake i've been part of collaboration for 12 years i'm obsessed with artists and dancers and singers songwriters like i i give money to people who busk on the street like i love i'm an artist myself i love it so i made it a point for us to stop and watch these street performers and there are three black men and i believe two they looked like latino men like hispanic men And the five of them were amazing. They're super athletic. They're doing all these tricks and doing flips and like dancing. It was really, really lively. And to me, it was like a celebration of like, yo, do they have this in Alabama? Like kind of vibe. And so I was really happy to share that with my cousin. Now they transitioned out of like doing a a choreographed bit where they were doing stunts and jumping over each other and all that. It was really, really cool. And I enjoyed it. Um, It made me really happy that I was in LA and I felt like I was aligned and everything was good. And I made all the right life choices because these are my people and this is where I need to be. And then um, after they completed that bit, they transitioned to like engaging the audience. And I remember that... um, there were two different bits that made me severely uncomfortable. And it really sucked because like literally moments before I was having the time of my life and I feeling like I'd just made all the good choices and stars were aligning and all this stuff. One choice was a dance choreo thing where they were, um, you know, teaching various volunteers from the crowd how to dance. And one of the women you know, they were turning on different music because they have this whole bit, right? And they know what they're going to do. And so there's this really awesome music uh, from just different pop stars, from Michael Jackson, from Beyonce. And I remember they turned on the Beyonce for the young lady who volunteered and she was a really good sport. And then they are just, at the end of the day, making it degrading. You know, they're just making her like shake her ass in a not so... It was just it's the way, right? I have nothing against people who enjoy their sexuality. I'm a huge fan of a lot of very provocative artists because I it liberates me and like feeling good in my sexuality. Like I, I don't not appreciate that. I'm not some sort of ultra conservative prude about that. Um, I think sexiness and sex is wonderful, but it was the way that it was framed and the way that they were like it felt like in this bit, you know, she didn't know that she was getting up to volunteer to like shake her boobs in front of everybody. It was just, it was, it was lame. And it was very, again, another little thing, like little anger point for me. I was like, why'd you have to like go and do that, man? Like it could have just been a fun thing. Y'all are great dancers. Like it could have just been fun, but you had to make it sleazy, you know? So that was, that was a, a sucky thing for me. And I was just talking smack to my cousin and telling her, like, I was not happy about that. I was like, oh, that's so gross. And she's she's an amazing young feminist. And she's like, oh, that's so disgusting. She's also beautiful. She knows what it's like for people to harass her. And we both know what it feels like to have people be gross to us just simply just because we are female. So that was not fun. And then they transitioned into the next volunteer which was an Asian man. He was an older, he looked like a Chinese tourist. Um, Sweet, sweet, adorable, like, dad guy <laughs> wearing he was literally wearing a fanny pack he had taken his hat off you know the thing with the string underneath your chin like he had that hat that he took off and he was holding he was wearing the dad shoes that are super trendy now but um just so sweet and super enthusiastic I think he was having the time of his life and then during the bit you know they had like singled out each volunteer and done a whole segment with them and then when it came to this Asian dad guy, you know they they you know directed to each other, like you know, hit the next track, and then of course it was kung fu fighting, and again, there yo, I'm around actors and comedians and all kinds of different people. there is a difference of when you're laughing at somebody and when you're laughing with them and this 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 asian Amer- this Asian dad guy, I'm assuming he's a dad, he might not be a dad, this Asian man who looks like a dad um many dads that I know, was being a really good sport. You know, he volunteered so enthusiastically to be part of the bit and they turned on Kung Fu Fighting and they started doing all these like really exaggerated Kung Fu sounds. They were doing the bowing. They were doing like the, oh, like very Bruce Lee. This thing is like, I know how many people idolize and revere Bruce Lee, but it comes off. There's a way to do it that is, honoring and like emulating and there's a difference between that and just making fun of it and literally making a a ridiculous spectacle of it and I felt so angry and so defensive of this this dad guy this man and my face like the blood inside my body was like boiling and he was being such a good sport guys like he was playing along with them he bowed back at them they were like being weird and like dancing around him and like taking the microphone and being like you understand me you understand me like it was I can imagine if I walked up to them and confronted them they would have like trolled me and told me that I'm being hella sensitive but I'm sorry I've just been in this is one of many situations like I know when someone's getting made fun of and I don't like when anybody gets bullied period anybody. Just because they're Asian. I don't care. Anybody. You're being an asshole to somebody. I can't stand it. It's horrible. Especially in public, in an arena where someone's trying to be your friend and try to participate in something for fun to make your segment that much more appealing and to celebrate it because they're probably visiting from somewhere else. Or maybe they're just like from LA. I don't know. And just having a nice day. And it was a really... It made my stomach come up in knots. My blood was boiling. My head hurt like I was seeing spots. I was so mad, and they just it kept going. And the the guy kept participating because he wasn't going to cave. And I didn't know if it was. I don't think he was like foolish. I don't think he was just like oblivious to the fact that they're like making fun of him or being offensive. But he was being a very good sport but I was pissed and I looked around the crowd and there's, it's LA, you guys, there's tons of Asian people in that crowd, you know, and I got to a point where uh, I just said out loud, I was like, what the fuck is this? I just said it because I was so mad and people got uncomfortable because there are people that were laughing along with it. And I could tell there are people that are laughing uncomfortably, but they're laughing and they looked at me and some people looked very like commiserating at me. They they knew like it was not right, but they laughed and they kind of brushed it off. And I looked at the other Asian people. I remember their looks, the looks on their faces because they were so angry and I could see my anger mirrored in them so clearly and they weren't saying anything. They were just quiet and they were like simmering. They're boiling inside of their own bodies and in their minds the same way I was. And I don't, I'm not saying this a lot of pride because I, when I look back on that situation, I wish not, I, I wish it hadn't stopped at me just like saying like, what the fuck is this? I wish I had walked up to, like in hindsight, I was, I was literally kicking my own butt. Not literally. I was figuratively kicking my own butt while we walked away and just getting so upset that I didn't literally go in the middle of their bit, take their microphone and tell them like, you need to stop it and leave them alone. Like you're being a dick. Stop. I wish I had done that. That's what I walked away feeling even angrier at myself for not doing. To like look out for this guy. But I was scared that I was gonna be a drama queen. I didn't wanna cause a scene, yada, yada, yada. I had a lot of feelings and thoughts and then anger towards these people that were like also not participating and like, why aren't you guys like call this shit out? Like, why am I the only one saying anything? A lot of different feelings, but I will never forget that day. And as I walked away feeling super, super angry, feeling for the billionth time like, why are, why, who collectively decided that Asian people are like the butt of everybody's joke? Who allowed this? Why do we allow it? And like I was just so mad. While I walked away, and also feeling so embarrassed and like pissed that it ruined this day that was supposed to be a celebration of the diversity and of the color and of the amazingness that is LA versus like her quaint little town in Alabama, to my cousin who was walking beside me. I my mood completely changed. Understandably, I I had no like hype left in me. I was not happy. I was not joyful. I was just pissed off. And I walked away churning over like 10 million thoughts in my head. And it was when we were walking away, I realized the cherry on top that it was Father's Day. So it was Father's Day in June. And I remember I talked to my dad earlier that morning. So a lot of things were kind of like converging in that moment. I I processed a lot, but these are kind of the like The various examples is less violent, but I still think that it's emotionally violent. I think that it's just a display of disrespect. And I think that there's a way, especially as an artist, I'm sorry, and I love comedy and I love physical comedy. I love slapstick comedy. There's comedy that is not at the other person's expense, truly at the heart of it. Because people can make fun of themselves. People can make fun of each other and still not do it in a vicious way. That's when you have to be creative and smart and have some level of intelligence and not do like low-hanging fruit, unintelligent, banal. Com- like. And a lot of people opt for that because they literally don't have the ability to do anything else. So I know that it's possible, but that people are just choosing not to do it. And that's what they want to put on as a showcase in front of hundreds of people on, a, on Father's Day in Los Angeles at Santa Monica Pier. Those are memories that I have that just like I've identified as something like I remember what I was wearing and it's one of those emotional markers that I have, right? Because I was so in my body and so present and so viscerally upset that it left this imprint. And I know that everybody I've talked to and people that have been talking on Clubhouse and all these rooms have been sharing these moments um, of, of seeing or being ridiculed. Um, further, like, I mean, I touched on this in the last episode, but just like how it's affected, uh, interpersonal relationships with dating, being fetishized, being dehumanized, having the most absurd, offensive, disgusting things said to our faces or online or whatever via text is just, it's astounding. And like, in terms of that, we we wouldn't qualify that as a hate crime, but the examples of blatant racism, have been like the lists are endless, right? So in processing all of these things and in identifying where our feelings of injustice and being disrespected and dehumanized stem from, I think that's all important. And then when we recognize what normalized things in our lives have led us to this point of silence and complicity or acceptance or... Willful ignorance, or whatever you want to call it, there's so many different things. It's very, I think it's worth identifying. Now, you can do that with friends, you can do that with a therapist, you can do that prayer, journaling. What I've been writing more, like it's a process, and I think it's worth doing. But when it comes to that change that needs to happen as a result of that, even sharing a story like mine, I want to share that story because that's that's something that's real that happened to me. That's not something that somebody can gaslight me or bully me or tell me that I'm exaggerating. I was in my freaking body. I remember what I felt. I remember what I saw very, very vividly. And I have other examples too. And there are lots of people that are glossing over this or denying it or Denying their responsibility in it or their power in changing it. And that's where I think that there's this just interesting tension that we're going to have to figure out how to navigate because it's not going to change until we just power through it. You know what I'm saying? Like this, that's the obstacle right now. Is that there is willful ignorance? There's a denial. There's a justification of it in a lot of in a lot of cases. There's a lot of misinformation. I've been sitting on several Clubhouses, on, like listening to other people say why Asian people deserve it, why they don't deserve help. Like a lot of beliefs and system, like systemic things that have been happening that have led people to these conclusions have been freaking mind boggling for me. It's been really painful for me, but I needed to hear it and understand why is there this acceptance of this being okay and to understand why. Because on the other side of the people not necessarily perpetrating it, but okaying the perpetration of it, there's that process and that perspective too. And I was really curious about what that was. I'm still learning it. Um, and there's a lot of misinformation and a lot of hurt feelings and a lot of historical grievances that have not been resolved or forgiven or understood or spotlighted. And I started to allude that in the last episode about just history, about understanding the different mechanisms at play of how we got to where we are. And that comes down into policies of like the Chinese Exclusion Act, about the PAGE Act is something else that I learned, about the, um, the villainization of Chinese women, that they were all prostitutes. Like this comes so far back and how that is filtered down over time to influence like the dehumanization of Asian people, Asian Americans, how there have been other things that have dehumanized Black people Latino people, LGBTQ, like, this how, you know, the power, the power, the powers that be, the narratives they make, the rules they make, the systems they create to keep others down. And this is not a, a theory. This is, these are codified into law and I'm still learning them. So when it comes to changing the norms around this, you know, I think it does take a level of education. People are being a lot more helpful and sharing those resources. I shared on the last one about the PBS documentary on Asian Americans um, to go to places like Asian Americans Advancing Justice and Stop AAPI Hate and just looking into books um, where you can learn about what these experiences have been. And this started this, I mean, I've been still working on getting educated myself ever since the, the George Floyd incident last year, and I feel a lot of guilt because I feel like I've been rather, I have been privileged and I've been very complacent in my own ability to be more anti-racist. Not just not racist, but anti-racist because that is an active thing that I think is required of all of us to actually deal with all of this. It's not enough to be not racist. By being not racist, you are allowing racist systems that still exist and racist beliefs to keep proliferating because we have to check that we have to eradicate it in through education through conversation through whatever whatever means necessary that's the thing that we need to actively dismantle is is all of the racism that has been embedded into the fabric and culture of this society Oh, no. How could they be so rude? Swear I'ma lose my cool. I won't be made as a fool, nah. Me and Mia, me Mia, mia, mia. my bad. I'm tired of it, Don't retreat it. All that womp, womp, Okay, I don't know about you guys and your snack habits, but I'm a very big chip fiend, okay? If it's salty and it's crunchy, I love it. And there's something about Asian chips and Asian snacks that just hits home in a completely different way. And I'm very excited because Irvine salted chips are now available in the United States. I first had Irvin's, I think about four years ago when my friend gave me a salmon skin chip Now, when I saw the bag, I was like, oh, my God, that is hella Asian. But me being me, I was like, give it to me. That sounds delicious. And I tried it and I found out why their tagline is hashtag dangerously addictive because they are. Um, And now Singapore's number one snack, we don't have to smuggle it from Asia anymore like our moms or like my mom when she has to smuggle in seaweed and anchovy from Korea whenever she goes there. We don't have to do that anymore. It is available stateside. And they have another flavor called the salted egg chip. And you guys, they use actual real salted duck egg yolks and fresh curry leaves and red pepper. Like this is not powder flavoring. They actually bake all these real ingredients into the chip because they treat these chips like a culinary masterpiece. Okay. So what you can do is go to visit eatirvins.com. That's eat eatirvins, I-R-V-I-N-S dot And you can use the code potluck to get free shipping on any online order of Irvin salted egg snacks. Enjoy it, it's delicious, treat yourself, cause you deserve it. Hey Brian, did you go to Saturday School as a kid? I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. Came in 88 with a dream, also bright-eyed. bright-eyed. They knew right away, swim, there's no lifelines. on the move. So when it comes to on budget. fighting back, because we have entered this space of enough is enough, I hope, increasingly, by us learning and witnessing all these horrific things that have not only been happening to the Asian community, but to the Black community, to everybody, like we've reached, in my hopeful opinion, a tipping point of, more people being in the enough is enough place. And when we fight back, that is something that has been advocated for, and I'm for that as well. But I think it's important to note that my personal perspective on what fighting back looks like does not equate violence. And to be ultra, ultra clear, me being pro- Asian American does not make me anti-Black or anti-Latino or anti-anybody else, anti-Indigenous people. Because people have been hearing these cries for help and this advocacy for like self, for our community, and then twisting it, in my opinion, turning it into something that it's not. Because me saying that I want to keep my community safe does not mean that I want to endanger others. Like, where do you get that? That's not at all what was said that's not what at all is being asserted that's not at all what's being advocated i just think it's absurd for somebody to extrapolate that from stop asian hate stop asian hate doesn't mean hate other people do you know what i'm saying people can be anti asian like against anti asian violence and they can also be for black lives mattering they're not mutually exclusive That needs to be cleared up, and I think I hope that people that are advocating for the Asian American community have some semblance and more empathy for what a lot of other marginalized groups have been enduring in a lot of different, very horrific ways for for way, way longer than this particular moment of time. It's not to take away from all the pain and the horror of what's happening now at all. It's a point of recognition because I think all of these things are necessary for us to understand what's at stake if we don't move, if we don't act. Okay, So there's a lot of people that want to kind of go back into the shadows, want to continue acting like nothing's happening, hoping that everybody just becomes nicer and automatically becomes more respectful. It's not going to work that way. The examples that are coming into play that I've been learning through friends like my friend Ada Sang, who is an incredible writer, she is a podcast host for Saturday School, she works for the LA Times, um, from friends that are working in the corporate world, from my friend David Choi, who shared a really wonderful video on his Instagram about how we can fight back, is finding the thing that we have power and leverage to utilize to make change. Okay, That might be voting with your dollar, that might be talking up in speaking up in your specific company so that you can change the policies, you can change the culture of your your personal company so that, because that will affect so many more people than just yourself and you can have allies and teammates to help advocate for what you know is important. There's so many ways and so many levers that we can pull, especially in our own personal circles and our friends and our loved ones about having these very real, necessary, and uncomfortable conversations about what it means to stand up and have equal rights and have respect for everybody. And you may have some friction because there might be people that you discover that you love really are maybe off the mark in some way. You're not aligning with, okay? Insert example number 5,000 with me and my dad. You know what I mean? Like we have bumped heads on a lot of things, but we've also talked through a lot of things. Also, my dad has become a lot more open-minded. It's mind-boggling. Not completely, but like, dang. like I, I just never thought that he could he and I could have a civil conversation about politics or rights or like I mean it's a work in progress, but it's we've made strides. You know what I'm saying? That is all these circles of influences, circles of influence and levers of power that we can exercise to make change. So when it came to a friend of mine, one of my best friends who is in Silicon Valley, she's a badass boss woman at her tech company and Um, sharing how tough of a time she's been having as an Asian American woman who is in a leadership position, having her colleagues, her employees come to her crying in the in the wake of the shooting, dealing with all the stress, feeling invisible further by other people not asking her if she's okay, not even acknowledging the sadness of what was happening, literally acting like everything was fine and jolly and dandy when a whole community of people have been terrified, especially in the Bay Area, like the Bay Area has been a hot spot for all this. She she broke down at work and she was just like, "How are people like so Uncaring. And how are people not even like asking if we are okay? This is not okay. This is a travesty. There's a tragedy that's been happening that just happened, and she didn't know where to turn. So my friend had to was a really great colleague. She was there for her. She was there for other co-workers who are also dealing with the same feelings. And in these spaces, like I understand that. Because again, I'm I'm in the freelance world. I'm an artist. I'm doing my entrepreneur thing, but I'm very much in like a creative space. I'm not in like the nine to five corporate world, and I'm I'm constantly keeping in touch with my friends who are to keep me up to speed of like what's going on. Now I know that there's a lot of companies out there who have employee resource groups where they can specifically advocate for their particular, for their particular community. Right. So there's like the Asian resource group. I've heard that there were like um, the women's group, the LGBTQ group. And it's literally not to exclude other people, it's just to make space for the people that it applies to and welcome anybody who wants to like learn more or collaborate or just share space with those people. Right. It's great. Um, And so I know that that's become a thing increasingly, but it's not everywhere. Some companies actually feel like they have the privilege of having that, and some companies don't. In my opinion, it'd be great if all companies had that so that they could make space for the fact that people are actual humans and that we are not cogs in a machine that suddenly turn off all of our life experiences and all of our identities when we walk into our offices. I just think that that culture has long gone. Like, we've been way out of that. To think that we are separate human beings inside the workplace versus when we are in our personal lives, like completely separate human beings, is, I think, absurd and delusional, personally it's impractical like you bring you don't stop being a parent because you walk into work you don't stop being a family member or a friend or spouse or a human because you're at work so i really applaud the people that make it a thing to to address culture to acknowledge it to embrace it and to have it work for them i believe there've been more and more studies about how taking culture into consideration and Paying attention to it, building it on purpose with intention makes better business. And that was a key part of like delivering happiness with Tony Shea. Rest in peace to that guy. Um, about what he was advocating for that business and life are synonymous, you know, they're, they're intertwined. So, understanding what different ERGs are dealing with and what other companies that don't have one. And don't have any space for that conversation even to be had or acknowledged is is tough because I think the ones that do have it um, are kind of building as they go and it's great. It's very DIY and they're looking to each other like, how can I learn from how so-and-so is doing it at their company? So I'm glad that there's more resource sharing happening there. So I really encourage people if you are in that space and if that's something that you want to start, I think that's a very tangible way to start making change for yourself and for your colleagues and for your coworkers for everybody to kind of get a basic understanding and awareness of what is what is happening in all these respective communities and show up like in even in that small way to like I don't know a happy hour or just a, a monthly meeting to understand that this is happening and to consider it to care about it you know what i'm saying and that happens in your direct space the most so I just wanted to pay, uh, call attention because Asian Boss Girls shared a really great resource on their Instagram page. So I really encourage you, I'll share it again on my page I and mean, give them credit, but they shared a really amazing resource um, about, what is it called? Let me find it. The Corporate Action Guide. And um, it's giving you a, a very basic guide, um, still really helpful on how to reach out to your HR, to your leadership or to your diversity, equity, and inclusion group, again, if you have a company that has one of those, and how to um, spread the word, how to take up space, and how to advocate for issues around the Asian community, around whatever community you feel like you want to advocate for, to demand it. Make it known. You know? You're know, you the one making money for these people. You are the one that's showing up today and tomorrow and 40 hour plus a week to like give them your time and energy you matter. So I just want to put that out there that if you don't have it, there are other people who are doing it. So please look it up. Again, employee resource groups. Um, DEI is a term that a lot of people use, diversity, equity, inclusion. That is a a consistently growing uh, department in a lot of companies. So if you can tap into that as a resource, as a place where you can... um, Advocate for yourself and say, you know, we're going through a lot of hell right now. How can we bring awareness to this? How can we have conversations around it? How can we implement this into organizational policy so that we can be safer and feel appreciated and seen and use that as a place, as an opportunity for for connection to happen? Make the business case too, if anything. Like That's where people get creative and practical. Like Personally, if I'm running a company, I would love for my employees to feel good about working there. I imagine that's probably going to get the best performance out of them too, is if they feel like, I don't know, this is just the the evolution of corporate America or corporate global, is that their rights and their, you know, in some places in the world, and it's a very first world problem, but it's still our our example to to set, to be able to set for the rest of of working world is to have rights and to have safe spaces and to have respect and to have safety, you know? I, I personally don't think that it's too much to ask. Let's continue to make workplaces safer and better. Some people might look at me and call me a snowflake and tell me to shut up and do my work. I do work. I work my butt off and I don't want to sacrifice my safety or my sanity for, for a dollar. Like I'd rather go to a company that values me and my work and my existence as a person and cares about my safety. They don't have to make me the center of their universe, but I would like to be included. And I would like to include other people. And I don't think that that's absurd to ask for. I'm just saying. Um, And... Be, I wanted to also share another resource, which is Hollaback, which uh, is providing bystander awareness trainings. So they have a free online one-hour bystander intervention training for incidents for anti-Asian American violence and just violence in general, so that when you are encountering that um, in an uncomfortable situation, somebody's being bullied or antagonized, that there's a way for you to engage as safely as humanly possible, but to take take a stand to assist somebody who's being put in harm's way. Um, So very briefly, the five D's that I've learned just right off the bat is distract, delegate, document, and delay, and direct. Those are the five D's um, for bystander intervention. I really encourage you to go to their website to ihollaback.org and sign up for their intervention thing. I'm signing up myself and get, get educated on it because it's the least that we can do. And it's a very empowering feeling to get educated. like The more facts that I learn, the more that I feel like I can advocate for myself and I can advocate for others versus staying, again, in the dark and just not knowing anything and being bewildered and being like, I don't know anything and I don't know what to say. Depending on what your particular forum is and what platform you're comfortable speaking out on, there's a space in which you can make a change is what I'm saying. So I encourage you to do that. Um, I want to also do a shout out and a thank you to my friend, Sean Mura, and to my friends at CAPE, the Coalition for Asian Pacifics and Entertainment. They led a, a leadership powwow that was really, really helpful for people who are organizing, who are putting together you know, gatherings and events so that they can bring awareness or advocacy or healing to the Asian American community or to any community that needs that, that support and that help. Um, just really concrete... Helpful processes to take all these heightened emotions that are very real, that are the result of a lot of pain, a lot of injustice, and how to channel that into something tangible, concrete, and impactful, right? So, depending on what your event that you're organizing, whether that's like a candlelight vigil, whether that's a protest, a rally, um, an educational seminar, like, or whatever, like a meeting. He's identified some really wonderful processes to identify, and that includes setting your intentions, identifying your goals. Now, these might be very, very basic, but when we're in heightened emotional state, it does help to like bring us a little bit down to earth, put two feet on the ground and saying, this is what I want to achieve. Now, I said this before, and I'll say it again. We can be very much aware of all these problems and still focus on solutions because personally, As angry and as hurt, and all of you know, helpless that I've been feeling, my mind and my heart all go back to like, what is it that I want to achieve? What I would love to have, I've said it over in this episode, is safety, respect, uh, integrity, honor, love, compassion, neighborliness, um, and just decency, you know? Those are the things that I want. I don't need everybody to put Asian Americans on a pedestal. I just need you to stop killing and brutalizing people for no freaking reason. Or to have these sentiments that are completely ridiculous and hateful and a projection of something really wounded in these other people, literally harming some innocent person who's just taking a walk on the street or going to the store or going to church or whatever, and is just as much as a human as they are. I would like for those to stop. That's what I'm aiming for. I don't, I don't particularly want revenge. I want justice. I think that's different. I want accountability. I want people to care. And so by setting those goals and intentions, I think are very, very paramount for anything that you're trying to do, is to know what you're aiming for, not what you're running away from. Okay. So setting intentions and goal, goals, being considerate, being mindful of what you're trying to achieve and then how you're going to do that, how you're going to execute. Meaning, who are you asking questions to? What questions are you asking? What research have you done? Who are you inviting to speak as a thought leader or as an advocate? Not just going out willy-nilly and just getting any old random person to speak. I think that every opportunity to speak is an important one. And that if you're going to have someone on a stage or in a public setting is to get somebody that really understands the context of what's happening, that you feel okay with being an advocate or a loudspeaker essentially on a topic that you clearly care about enough to like organize something. Um, just being really mindful of that and being selective, being thoughtful, doing your research. Um being aware of like where you're holding it, what the spaces are what who are the roles of the people that are doing it? What is your role? is your role unnecessarily kind of in your ego? Do you need to be the one speaking? Can you make space for another person speaking? I think that's been a really big thing in the Asian American community continuously, not just now, but who are you giving the microphone to, right? Um, I've been in a lot of rooms where a lot of Asian American men speak up all the time. I'm not saying that they're stupid or that they're saying nonsense, but it'd be really great if somebody in there thought, hey, it'd be really great to get a female to speak at some point, to think about... Um, from generations, like I personally really love pushing the younger generation to speak up too, because I think they're incredibly brilliant and creative and have a different perspective than all of the older leaders who have their experience and their set of skill sets. Um, but thinking across generations in the Asian American community, it's an umbrella term for so many ethnicities and and groups of people that are not all East Asian. There's a very predominant. Uh, image of everybody being chinese, japanese or korean, right? There's a huge there're huge communities in so many other countries and languages that are not included in the in this in this conversation. Southeast Asia, Vietnam, Thailand, Laos, the Philippines, uh South Asia, South Asian Oh my gosh, like that's its own like very layered conversation, but South Asians are very often left out of that conversation when we're we talking about Asian America, right? So being thoughtful of that, being aware, so that it's not just super reactive, that you want to have the most grounded and impactful delivery of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Because all those opportunities, I mean, it'd be great not to waste them, right? Um, and to, at the end of the day, besides being intentional, and being constructive is being humble and being aware that we're all learning a lot again some of the clubhouse rooms I've learned so much about attitudes towards Asian Americans that I just didn't know about and I clearly hadn't taken effort to to learn about it so it was very it was very tough to hear I'm not going to lie because it it comes from people that I never looked at as like the enemy but they looked at me as theirs it sucks. It sucked really hard to hear that. And there are times where I felt super defensive and and misunderstood. I felt just like salty and bitter, but I needed to listen. I needed to listen. And it was um you know, another community space and we have to have some very honest conversations around that. And I'm really fortunate there's a friend of mine who reached out to have a conversation between uh, me and him, about the relationship between the Black and Asian community, uh, how that's played out culturally, politically, all of that stuff. And I have very limited understanding, but I'm very grateful that he reached out and, and was so supportive in, in the wake of like me going through a lot of grief and pain. And hopefully, these are the other conversations. I know that I'm not the only one having this. There's so many others that are like really encouraging me. And some, even though there's, some of them are just really painful and ugly to hear because they're not, there are a lot of people that are not pulling punches. You know, like they're going to, they will speak their mind and speak their truth. And it's really hard, but that's what gives me a lot of encouragement that people are being brave enough to say those things. And yeah, some of them might exit the clubhouse room or whatever, or I don't know what's happening, going on in private too, but they might walk away from that angry, but they'll think about it and they'll hopefully come around and learn and we'll have to be pushed to be more compassionate to ourselves, to others, and empathize. So there's a lot of these things happening. And, um, I just wanted to encourage people in your way to your, to the best of your abilities, please take action because this is not going to resolve itself. You don't have to become the next Yuri Kochiyama. If you don't know her, she badass. she's awesome. Um, Not everyone is her, not everyone's going to be on a loudspeaker, not everyone's going to be on TV or in a public arena, but there are things that we can do to make very substantial change. And if at the end of the day, we are working to dismantle some very problematic and dangerous norms that pertain to our specific community, and we belong to so many because we are very multifaceted people. It takes people to be brave and it takes people to have courage, to be intentional, to be aware of their obstacles and to know why they can and why they need to do it so that they can deal with those obstacles. You know what I mean? That's the way I look at it. Suddenly knowing why you want to do something doesn't make it easier. A lot of times it just makes it, in my opinion, more achievable because the why triumphs over all the things standing in your way. So you do you. I'm cheering you on. I believe in you. I truly believe in people's ability to love themselves and love one another well. When it comes to protecting our families and our loved ones, our friends, whoo, it's like it's absolutely incredible what we're capable of doing. And what we will what we will and what we can endure. that. We are very powerful people. And just because you are or are not an influencer or celebrity or whatever, I just like, I'm really happy that we are moving out of a celebrity obsessed culture. It's really nice. Because I used to be that chick. I was like on Perez Hilton every single day, pretty much wanting to know what Britney and whatever, like I still want to know how Brittany's doing. Hashtag free Brittany. But it's like, I'm way more interested in regular people like you and me. We are all human beings. We are all vulnerable. (laughs) And we are all very capable of doing things that surprise us, that strengthen us, that help one another and help ourselves. So go do it. Okay, please, this is me asking for help. And this is what we gotta do, guys. Like, all of us gotta be better at asking for help. I've been so bad, but this is me asking for help. Please. Please help. Did I ask for help in the last one? I don't remember. Literally, my my memory. Who I'm fortunate to get up each day and, and function. It is it is a miracle. But that's uh my Request. This is my plea out to my listeners, to my supporters. I love you guys so much. I'm honored that you even take the time to hear me out. And I want to be an amplifier for other people, people that are my friends, people that are leaders that I respect and look up to who are not naive, they are fully aware of what is at stake, they are fully aware of how challenging it is, and yet they get up and they do it anyway. That is true leadership to me. That is truly inspiring to me. The very least that I can do is use whatever platform that I have, which is one of them being this podcast, is to share their work, and to encourage it because I want to help them and I want to help you guys. That's the thing that I think is so fascinating about when I think of the multitude of people out there, how many human beings exist on a, just in like my little block, right? Like how many human beings live in all these buildings? It's mind boggling. Like I was doing this on a business exercise of like, okay, if all these people are using electricity, if all of them are using toothpaste, if all these people are using like mascara or whatever it is, like some ubiquitous thing that everyone's using. I was like, that's a lot of freaking toothpaste. You know what I mean? Like that's just in this little small space alone. There's a lot of humanity out there. And if everybody did their little part, right? If everybody ate, like, I really care about water sustainability and I care about the climate change, right? If all of us decided for like one day a week to eat less meat, there's a, I really want to have that podcast, you guys. Sorry, I got derailed because of all this stuff happening, but I want to talk about climate change. And I was like, what are the little things that everybody can do that's doable? And it's not going to kill you. It's not going to like strain you too much, but that you can tangibly achieve one day at a time, not even like every day 365 or just like that 1% difference you can do every single day, what a huge change that can make at the end of the day. If everybody just woke up and decided to be nice, if everybody in my block decided to be nice to people, like to choose kindness and to choose compassion in that day, no matter what their sucky situation was that they were com- currently like dealing with, the, the ripple effect that would have on humanity just my block, just my block, just my building. If everyone in this building decided, hey, I'm going I'm to choose to be compassionate. I'm going to ask somebody how they're doing. I'm going to care for them. I'm going to do something co- like pay forward for their meal, do something. Like What kind of ripple effect? Just the numbers to me are staggering. The data boggles my mind. So do not discount yourself out of that. Your actions matter. They make an effect. The listens that you give to my podcast matter. The views that you give to somebody's Instagram or YouTube, the streams, like where you vote with your dollar, like let's be conscious of that. I'm seriously, truly sick. I'm just saying as like a freelancer, how much I have to like deal with taxes. Oh, that's like a whole other thing. Taxes and trying to get loans and blah, blah, blah. And watching my tax dollars be spent the way that they are, like when that finally clicked in my brain of like, oh, this is where tax money goes. (laughs) It has been a whole other like mental health exercise trying to like wrap my head around that and not explode or implode or whatever it is. Because, oh my God, for real. You know, let's let's take ownership of that. I'm literally if you get my drink order wrong, I'm going to send it back. I will let you know. This is like my tax money. Do not do not misuse my harder. I work my butt off for that money, and so do you. You know, we matter. We matter in this space. Okay? We are service providers, we are friends, we are teachers. We are Uber and Lyft drivers. We are technicians we we are we are humans we're part of this we we belong whoever you are whatever community you belong to you belong you matter you participate so respect that in other people too let them live and then like protect yourself because you deserve that okay um and i want to i'm not advocating for violence cuz i just want to be really clear cuz when people say we need to fight back i don't know if if i need to defend myself sidebar there was a really scary incident i had with a homeless person right outside my building that scared the crap out of me cuz i legit thought they were going to stab me with a pencil um it's scary times so let's look out for each other and ourselves um i would have defended myself i'm not saying don't defend yourself but i'm saying go out and you know, be out for blood kind of thing. I'm not for that. But anyway, thank you for listening to this episode. I love you guys. Thank you to Marvin Uay, my audio engineer and producer. Thank you to Juliana for helping me keep, first of all, afloat. Thank you to my Patreon patrons. If you enjoy this podcast, if you think somebody else can benefit from listening to it, please feel free to share with a friend. Um, you can find, first of all, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Radio Public, everywhere else that you find podcasts. I'm a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. So feel free to um, email me at firstofallpod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can go to firstofallpod.com and contact me and support me if you'd like. I very, very gratefully receive um, your support. And I'll put it back into creating more content. Yeah. Um, and keeping the microphone on. And I want to thank uh, Uzuhan for use of his song Uzu Trap for the intro and outro for this week's episode. Please stay tuned for more awesome music from creatives and for more content from this channel. Um, thank you guys. Oh, and also, if you enjoyed it and you have not yet, please leave. A five-star review I would really appreciate that take care of yourselves I'll talk to you soon bye Sweat on my brow sweat on my brow don't make a sound hey my dudes now this is the pride of a man stepping the ground and kind of my blessings aggressively pushing the boundaries off of my family ended a dream in my hand all of that change when life decided to switch on my plan yeah tell me now how did we get so low